Good morning. Should I move this back? Move that back? All right, good. Turn on my mic. How's everybody doing? Good, good. Yeah, my name is Tyler. Um, it's always a, always a pleasure and a privilege to be here. I, I say this, and, I, and I'm trying not to get emotional, because every time I come here, I think about just how many times Doug, uh, Doug Walker saved me from uh, making foolish decisions <laughs> and um, just gave me so much wise counsel and um, just was a godly example. So um, I'm a product of Grace Chapel is because of Grace Chapel planting Mercy Road and Mercy Road being extremely in- instrumental in us being planted. And just that connection with Mike and Josh and um, Doug has just been a blessing to our family. So um, I'm glad to be here and I look forward to continuing to serve and labor uh, from a distance um, on the northwest side of Detroit. So thank you for all your prayers. Thank you for all your support for us for the last, oh my goodness, Ooh, shucks, five to six years we've been on this journey. So, And God has done amazing things. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I will give you an alert, like right after service, um, you're going to see smoke. You're going to see me move faster than you probably ever seen me move. Um, I have to get back on our side of, the, of town for a new membership class um, for, at our church. So please excuse my prompt um, departure. So. Uh, and I look forward to being back as soon as possible. I'll continue to pray for you guys during this period of transition. Amen. Uh, let, me, let me say a word of prayer before I uh, break the bread of life. God, if you do not speak, we will not hear. If your spirit does not open our eyes, if, if your spirit doesn't settle our hearts, if your spirit doesn't... Um, move in a way that we can hear, this will just be words, this will just be a talk. Um, Lord, we don't want that. We want the spirit of the living God to speak to us through the holy and written word of God. Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart are acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, Father, I pray that your people are edified and your name is glorified. Pray this in the matchless name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Um, So so this morning, I'll discuss something that um, all of us as humans experience to to varying degrees, um, but seldom verbalize. I'll be talking about a a feeling that can control, can dominate our lives, but is barely acknowledged. Today, I want to talk about fear. I want to talk about fear. I'll use Psalm 55 to unpack fear and unpack how the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is the remedy for the fear in our lives. So, So I see I see four scenes. I see four uh, scenes or four um, steps in Psalm 55. So if you have a Bible, I'll be in Psalm 55. I'm going to walk down, these, uh, walk down this psalm, um, and the verses will also be behind me. But Psalm 55. So, so the, the first scene, the, the, the first uh, scene in Psalm 51 is the cry for help, the cry for help. Psalm 55, 
verse 1. God, listen to my prayer and do not hide from my plea for help. Pay attention to me and answer me. I am restless and in turmoil with my complaint. So, so immediately in these first two verses, we, we, we see, we, we notice that the psalmist is clearly in a state of desperation. Notice this repetition. This, this repetition uh, uh, stresses the urgency of David's cry. Listen to my prayer. Don't, don't hide from my plea for help. Pay attention to me. And answer me. This is immediate. This is urgent. Uh, David is sending out an SOS to heaven. He's calling 911 to the throne room of God. What is the pressing matter? What, 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 what has David uh, uh, in such a state of, of turmoil? Verse 2 and 3. I'm restless in my uh, turmoil with my complaint because of the enemy's words, because of the pressure from the wicked, for they bring down disaster on me and harass me in anger. So as was a reoccurring theme in David's life, uh, David's enemies were rising up against him and rising up against the nation of Israel. This word harass, so when you see harass, don't think of um, um, harassment for uh, uh, how we use it today. This word harassment is a, a rare Hebrew word. It means uh, uh, the, the uh, animosity, hatred, hostility. It, this phrase emphasizes a, a deep malicious intent and a desire to destroy. David's enemies were on the attack. And what made this scenario all the more devastating, what made this scenario uh, all the more difficult and heart-wrenching for King David, this attack came from within. David was so heartbroken because this was a deeply personal betrayal. Listen to Psalm 55, verse uh, 13 and 14. Because it is you, a man, who is my peer, my, my companion and good friend, we used to have close fellowship. We walked with the crowd into the house of God. This, this, it's one thing to be attacked from an enemy. It's, it's one thing to have a known enemy come against you. It's, it's one thing to have someone who you know has malicious intent come against you. It's a completely different thing when a friend, someone who's close, a companion, a peer, becomes an enemy. Few things feel like the the sting of betrayal. Few things hurt like having people who were close to you walk out on you. How does David respond? How, how does David respond to this betrayal of a former friend? Verse 4. My heart shudders within me. Terror of death sweeps over me. Fear and trembling grip me. Horror has overwhelmed me. Again, like he did in verse 1 and 2, David uses this poetic repetition to emphasize the absolute fear, the, the terror that he's experiencing at the moment. His heart shudders, terror, fear, trembling. He's overwhelmed. The phrase swept over me and overwhelm in verses 4 and 5 uh, uh, portray the mighty King David as being totally overwhelmed and overtaken with this fear like a flood. He's drowning in his fear. But isn't this David? Wait a minute. 
wait a minute, this, this has to be a different David. This, this can't be the giant killer. This, this can't be the mighty warrior. They sung when after David killed Goliath. They sung, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. This can't be this David, the courageous and valiant warrior. This can't be that David. David is drowning in fear. What is fear? What, what, what is fear? I, I combined a few definitions that I, uh, that I read and kind of uh, uh, combined them and mashed them together. And here's a definition for fear. Fear is the uncontrollable and undesirable feeling of approaching danger or difficulty and the realization of your, abil- your inability to control it. So, so fear, let me repeat that, is the uncontrollable and undesirable feeling of approaching danger or difficulty and the realization of your inability to control it. Fear is uh, uh, something maybe on the horizon, something difficult, something harmful, something painful, maybe on the horizon in the realization that I can't stop it. On one hand, fear is a natural feeling, and fear can actually be beneficial. Um, a few months ago, I was on my way. Um, I was driving down Southfield Freeway, and a car just randomly, suddenly stopped right in front of me. And it was sudden fear that caused me to slam on the brake to lessen the impact of a, uh, what could have been a deadly, deadly accident. Fear can spring you into action. Fear at the right time can uh, 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 push you to avoid a possibly dangerous situation. Fear triggers in our minds and in our bodies action when necessary. Sudden fear can save one's life. However, fear has a dark side. Fear has a dark side. There are many circumstances in our lives, if we're honest with ourselves, that induce fear within us. Fear of the future. Fear of the future. Fear of loneliness. Fear of rejection. Fear of losing someone close to death. Fear of your own physical sickness and your own body failing. Fear of your mortality. Fear of financial security. Fear of failure. I could go on and on. There are many things that induce fear in us. At its very essence, when, when it comes down to it, uh, fear in, in its core and in, in its essence is a matter of control. Fear is a matter of control in uh, a book that I highly recommend, Voices of the Heart. Chip Dodd says that control is trusting in what you see with your eyes, trusting what you produce with your hands, and trusting what you can cause to happen through your planning and manipulation. Fear happens when life presents you with something that is out of your control. You didn't control that um, diagnosis. You didn't control that sudden layoff. You didn't control and you can't control that person who may be walking out of your life. Fear occurs when we can't control the, the, the circumstances that life throws at us. David in Psalm 55, David is terrified. He says, uh, fear has swept over me. He's, he's in terror because his enemy's aggression and he is completely out of control. He can't control the attacks of his enemy. 
Ed Welsh said it this way, fear and worry live in the future, trying to assure a good outcome of a potentially hard and difficult situation. Again, again, fear sees a potentially negative, harmful situation, and it's triggered. Can I take it a step further? We, in our culture and in our country, we have feminized fear. Growing up in Detroit on the northwest side, my uncles wanted to make me tough. So my adult uncle would call me into the room and punch me in the chest and tell me, get up, don't cry, be a man. I'm, I'm 10 years old, that hurt. <laughs> but but we, we're told that real men don't get scared. Real men don't have fear. Fear is for women, fear is for children. We've, we've feminized fear. I'm 38 years old and I've only heard one man in my entire life say I'm afraid. That's a sentence most men don't use. We're taught that, that men don't get scared. And, and, and this, and this I, I believe, has led many men to handling fear in very unhealthy ways. How, how, how did David initially handle his fear? Scene two, the desire to escape. So first we have the cry for help. Secondly, we have a desire to escape. Listen to verse six. Psalm 55, verse 6. I said, if only I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and find rest. How far would I flee? I would stay in the wilderness. I, I would hurry to my shelter from the raging winds and the storms. David, the, the man who ripped the lion to shreds with his bare hands. The, the man who killed and beheaded Goliath, the man who won countless battles, is now wishing to escape it all. The, the, the bold lion of God is now a petrified house cat. This, this mighty warrior of God has no more fight left in him. But I personally, I, I, I respect this, this transparency, this, this gut-level honesty that David, David has here. He's afraid, and he wants to escape it all. No bravado, no bravery, no boldness. I'm afraid. I'm scared, and I just want to escape. I don't want to deal with this problem. You ever been there? You, you, you've ever faced a situation that you looked at it and said, I just don't want to deal with this. Fear leads us to desire to escape. If we're honest with ourselves, there's times when we all run and hide when fear comes knocking. When fear comes knocking at our door, there's times we all escape. It goes back to the garden. Adam and Eve sinned. And what did they do? They hid from God. We all run. We all hide. We, we all escape. Some of us escape in our work. The average American works 55 to 60 hours a week. Many people escape in their work. Many people escape in the past, longing and remembering greater days. Some people escape in the future, attempting to avoid facing the situation. Some people escape in substances. There's a long history in my family of men who escaped in alcohol and drugs. 
they're not afraid. I'm, I'm a man, I'm not afraid. But I'll drink myself to sleep because I just don't want to deal with it. Some people escape in their own comfort sins. Some people escape into sexual sins. Some people, some people escape into religious activities. I'll get more involved in church. Some people escape into technology, social media, YouTube. So, some people escape into self-loathing and self-pity. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Some people escape into anger and resentment. Men all across the world escape from their fears by obsessing in sports, obsessing into hobbies. Brother, it's not that you're not afraid. You just escape when fear comes. We all are like David. We've all felt this way. If I had wings like a dove, I would just fly away. I would hide from it all when fear comes knocking. No matter where you run or who you run to or what you run to, we all have this propensity to, to escape. We, we all have this propensity to run and hide. Where do you run when you're afraid? What do you run to? We have a whole generation who is running to technology, who's running to social media to find approval, to find worth, to find validation. What familiar, unhealthy patterns do you run to? What comfort sins do you escape to when fear comes? Do you hide in your work? Do you, do you hide in your leisure to avoid dealing with the fear you face, to, to, to avoid dealing with the difficult situations of life? Again, like King David Often our first response to fear is just to avoid it and to run from it. Secondly, or thirdly rather, a call for vengeance. So scene one, a cry for help. Scene two, a desire to escape. Scene three, a call for vengeance. Listen to David. Psalm 55 verse 9. Lord, confuse and confound their speech, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night, they make their rounds on its walls, crime and trouble within it. Verse 15, let death take them by surprise. Let them go down to Shao alive because evil is in their hearts. Excuse me, evil is in their homes and within them. So verse 9 and 10 and verse 15, we see that David cries for vengeance and vindication. The city of Jerusalem is, is filled with violence and strife and anger and wickedness and oppression and deceit due to these men who are attacking David and attacking God's people. Now, remember who David is. David is the king. David is the chief protector of Israel and his first response to God is to pray for vindication, to pray against the perpetrators. This is not an isolated event. This, we, we see David constantly in the Psalms praying that God intervene and bring judgment to his enemies. Now, don't get this misconstrued. This, this, isn't, um, this isn't David uh, seeking a personal uh, vindication, or this isn't David uh, operating merely out of personal hurt and offense. David's enemies are God's enemies. 
the people who are uh, attacking Jerusalem, these are God's enemies. These people who are opposing David, they are opposing the true and living God. This is actually a, a, a righteous anger, a righteous jealousy for God's glory here in Psalm 55. David references two events. Lord confuse and confound their speech is a direct reference to the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. Let them go down to the grave refers to those who followed Korah in rebellion and the ground literally opened up and swallowed them whole in Numbers 16. In both cases, God halted. God stopped those who were living in opposition to him. Again, this is not a prayer for personal vengeance. This is David praying for divine protection from evil and praying that God halts his enemies by crying out to God. And and, in essence, David is praying, don't bring us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Remember, though, this is a person in persons who were formerly close friends to David. David said, we went to the temple together. We we walked along the road together. You were a companion. You were a friend. Unfortunately, betrayal, this betrayal that David experienced is a part of life. We've had people who walked closely with our church betray us, leave us, seek to do harm. The bitter bite of betrayal, this, this, and, and the resulting anger towards it is a natural response. But the gospel compels us to respond supernaturally. Being hurt, being angry, being offended at, at betrayal, at, 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 someone's respo- at someone's attack towards you. That's natural, but the gospel of Jesus Christ compels us to respond supernaturally. Listen to Romans 12. Romans 12, verse 14. This is so counterintuitive, isn't it? Bless those that persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Verse 17, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. What? (laughs) As followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're called to withhold evil. We're we're called to pray for people that hurt us. We're called to bless and, and love those people who cause us harm and betray us. Just as the Lord Jesus Christ forgave his enemies, just as the Lord Jesus Christ chose mercy on the cross, and just like the Lord Jesus Christ granted us grace, the gospel compels us to respond the same way when we are harmed and when we're betrayed. First, a cry for help. Secondly, a desire to escape. Third, a call for vengeance. And fourth, the relief of the gospel. Psalm 55, verse 16. So after all this, David is, he's he's hurt, he's angry, he's crying out to God. He wants to run away from it all. He wants vengeance. And then verse 16, he begins to come to a, a, a resolution. But I call to God, 
and the Lord will save me. I complain and groan morning, noon, and night, and he hears my voice. Though many are against me, he will redeem me from my battle unharmed. Verse 19, God, the one enthroned from long ago, will hear and humiliate them. Selah, because they do not change and do not fear God. Notice this. So often we think that our circumstances, our situation, our our health, um, the relationship, we, we think that those things must change for us to come to this resolve. David is still in the middle of it. He's still in the middle of the battle. The enemy is still raging. The enemy is still seeking harm. But I call to God and the Lord will save me. The situation has not changed. His heart changed. In the midst of the fear, in the midst of the distress, in the midst of his anger, David prays. I love this prayer. This this prayer is is, is twofold. This, This prayer is both real and repetitive. This is a raw prayer. First, this prayer is real. Listen to verse 17 again. I complain and I groan. Isn't that something? He's not not talking about complaining and groaning to a friend. He's not talking about complaining and groaning to uh, his spouse. He's complaining and groaning to God. I complain and groan morning, noon, and night, and he hears my voice. This is so refreshing to me. Moment of honesty. How often do we think that we must sanitize our prayers? We must get ourselves together and then come to God. How often do we think we must, our eyes must dry? How often do we think we must stop the weeping and pull ourselves? We're Americans. (laughs) We're Americans. We're strong. We got to pull ourselves up and then come to God. How often do we think we must calm down, compose ourselves, and then come to God? Friends, this is not the case. David is a mess. David is a wreck. David is is filled with anger towards people. David is filled with hurt. He's filled with fear, fear, and he says, I'm complaining. I'm groaning to God morning, noon, and night, and he hears me. This is a real prayer. This is a raw prayer. Friends, quick point of application before I keep moving. Pray your ugly prayers. Pray your ugly prayers. In in those moments of fear, in those moments of pain, in those moments of anger, that's when we're supposed to pray. Pray what's in your heart. Why? God knows it anyway. What are we really hiding? What what, what are we doing? Who who are we trying to impress? And now hear hear this. I'm not talking about being uh, flippant or irreverent because God is holy. I'm not talking about being flippant or disrespectful or or lacking reverence towards God. That's not what I'm saying. But bring your complaints, bring your tears, bring your pain, bring your ugly, ugly prayers. Bring that to God because he knows what's there anyway. I love this, this glorious truth in Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 verse 26. I love this. 
Romans 8, 26, in the same way, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, not in our strength, not when we pull ourselves together. The Spirit helps in our weakness. Why? Because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Isn't that beautiful that, that you don't have to have the right words? You don't have to have the right approach because you don't know what to say. You're a mess. We're a mess. Tyler's a mess. Let the Spirit do his job. This is so amazing to me that the Spirit takes our mess, takes our moaning, takes our groanings, takes our uncomfortable pauses, takes us not knowing what to say, takes it all to God and he brings it to him as a prayer. Praise God for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. There is no prayer that you can pray to impress God. There there is no right position that you can get yourselves to to impress him. Allow the Spirit to do his job. Praise God he hears our complaining, our messy prayers. First, David's prayer was real. His prayer was raw. Secondly, his prayer was repeated. Verse 17 again. I complain and I groan one time and expect God to hear it. No, no, no. Morning, noon, and night, and he hears my voice. This, this points to a consistency. This points to a dedication in his life. Uh, despite the circumstances, despite the fear, despite the anger, he's continually coming to God. He's not allowing his outside circumstances to pull him away from his Savior. Despite the fear, despite being overwhelmed. I, I love how he describes it in, in, in verse in verse 4, it says that this, this fear has swept over me. He is overwhelmed despite being afraid, despite being uh, overwhelmed, despite being filled with anger towards the people who harmed him. I come to him morning, noon, and night. Friends, don't allow your fear to hinder your prayer life. Don't, don't allow fear to stop you from going to the only one that can bring relief. Verse 22. Psalm 55, verse 22. Cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Verse 22. Verse 22 is, is, is the key to unlock this whole psalm. Let me, let, me, let me just define three words here that are important. Cast means to throw. It means to hurl. It means to rid yourself of something unwanted. This is not I'm politely placing something in the garbage can. Cast, throw, hurl, rid yourself. A burden is, is something that a, a heavy load that was usually carried by animals. And this word sustain means to be held together, to be refreshed, to be supported, to be strengthened, to be preserved. Again, verse 22 is so important. Cast, hurl, throw your burdens. What weighs you down, what brings you fear, what keeps you awake at night, throw it at the feet of our Savior. Why? 
He will hold you together. He will sustain you. And he will never allow the righteous to be shaken. By his grace, the Lord lovingly sustains us. He holds us together. He cares for us when we allow him to do so. How often do we get in the way of him doing what he needs to do by trying to carry our burdens on our own? Through prayer, through trusting him, we're able to hurl our fears, throw our worries, to to rid ourselves of our concern to our loving father. Why? He will sustain us. He will hold us together and we will not be shaken by his grace. I love 1 Peter 1 Peter 5, verse 6 and 7. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting your cares, casting all your cares on him. Why? Because he cares for you. Family, how often do we we cast our cares Two days later, go back and pick it up. I honestly believe much of the heaviness we feel, much of uh, the, the, the overwhelmedness, if that's the word it is now, I, I believe much of our feelings of being overwhelmed, much of the heaviness is because we are choosing to carry our burdens. We are choosing to carry our fears instead of throwing it at his feet. That's one of the number one things I hear as a pastor. Pastor, I'm overwhelmed. Pastor, I feel weighed down. Because you're carrying too much. You're trying to carry something that you weren't meant to carry. Again, we're Americans. We want to control the narrative. We, we want to control our destiny. And fear says, guess what? You can't control your health. You can't control your financial situations. You can plan and plan and plan. You can't control it. Many of us want to control our lives and have not truly given it over to the Lord Jesus Christ to carry the weight. The beautiful thing, the the, the beautiful thing is we can throw our heavy burdens. We can cast our fears at the feet of the Father and leave them there. Why? Because he is who he is. He cares for us. He loves us. He sustains us. And he will not allow us to be shaken. How do you respond when fear arises? How, how, how do you respond when life presents you with something that's too heavy for you? How do you respond when life shows you that you are not in control? Do you escape? Do you run away from it? Do you check out? Are you filled with anger? Does resentment well up? Do you seek revenge? When fear floods our hearts, we're called to throw it at the feet of the the king, to, to, to place it there because he's in control, not us. This may sound counterintuitive, but fear is actually beneficial. 
Fear is actually beneficial. Chip Dodd put it this way. Fear brings strength. The fear allows us to experience trust, dependency, and ultimately wisdom because it helps us realize we need help. Fear offers us the the chance to decide and to discern what direction to go. Healthy fear brings us the realization that I am not enough and I am not in control. When fear arises, fear is an invitation to trust him. Fear is a realization that I am not in control. Fear shows us that we do not control our destiny. We are not enough in and of ourselves. And these moments are opportunities to release our fears and our concerns to the one who truly is in control. Fear actually provides an opportunity to embrace our weakness, to embrace our limitations, and trust the Father on a deeper level, and to cast our burdens, to cast what's weighing us down, to cast what what terrifies us at his feet, because he's in control, not us. Friends, when we cast our burdens on the Lord, we have this, we have a, 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 a blessed assurance. Why? Because he's with us. He understands our fears. I love the the Hebrews 10 says Jesus is our high priest is is not this distant, ethereal uh, being. He says Jesus knows what it's like to be tempted, yet did not sin. He understands our fears. He understands our difficulties. He understands our concerns. And he acts accordingly to his perfect wisdom and perfect love. Listen to how David concludes. Listen to how David concludes, concludes Psalm 55. God, you will bring them down to the pits of destruction. Men of bloodshed and treachery will not live out half their days. But I will trust in you. After all of this, the, 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 after the fear, after the anger, after wanting to run, after wanting vengeance, after all of this, David finally concludes, God is in control and I'll trust him. What an amazing declaration. Well, despite what goes on, I'm not in control of that. I, I can't, I'm not in control of their destiny. But God is in control of mine. I will trust him. Friends, it sounds so cliche to have faith and to trust God when fear arises. It sounds so cliche, but it's the only way. We can trust the Lord Jesus because he truly is sovereign. We, we, we can trust the Lord Jesus because his character is righteous. We can trust the Lord Jesus because he cares for us. We can find peace in the, the, the face of fear Because he is who he is. He cares for us. He's sovereign. He loves us. He will sustain us. In conclusion, Psalm 55 gives us a a beautiful picture of the gospel. Psalm 55 puts the gospel of Jesus on full display. David praying morning, noon, and night. Verse 17, I complain and I groan morning, 
noon and night. This reminds me of the Lord Jesus in Gethsemane. Feeling the, feeling the weight and the pressure of sin and death on his shoulders. He cries out to the Father three times. What agony, what pain. Our Lord suffered great agony and pain before he even got to the cross. Crying, pleading with the Father. The Son of God prayed three times for the cup of God's wrath to pass, but he conceded, not my will, but yours be done. Despite how he felt, despite feeling crushed, despite knowing that he would be temporarily separated from his Father, the Lord Jesus surrendered willingly and accepted the wrath of God on our behalf. Also, King Jesus, much like King David, was betrayed by one of his closest companions, Judas. With a kiss, Judas sold the Lord Jesus Christ, sold the King of glory, sold the Lamb of God into Roman custody for 30 pieces of silver. Judas betrayed God himself to be tortured, to be crucified, despite being completely innocent. The Lord Jesus experienced the the pain of, of betrayal by the masses. One Sunday, he rolled into town, and they were saying, Hosanna. Fast forward, it's a few days. They were saying, crucify him and give us Barabbas. How did Jesus respond to this betrayal? How did did Jesus respond to Peter rejecting him, Peter denying him, the other disciples leaving him high and dry? How how did Jesus respond to the mockery before he hung his head and died on the cross? He said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. Friends, this is love. Love. This, this, this is love. And, 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 and can I be honest with you? We're no different from Peter. We're, we're no different from Judas. We are no different from the crowd that said crucify him. Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, we all went away. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned and went our own way. And the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. Isn't that amazing? Despite our betrayal, despite our denial, despite our rejection, the father punished his son for our redemption. Friends, it was love that sent the son of God to the cross for those who rejected and betrayed him. It was love that sent the son to receive the wrath of God dumped on him despite being sinless. 
and this perfect love that, that saved us is the same perfect love that will save us from our fears. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. There is no fear in love. Can I repeat that? There is no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. On the cross, the Lord Jesus expressed this perfect love because fear involves punishment. We no longer have need to be um, bound by fear. We, we no longer have need to be ensnared by fear. Why? Because the punishment was removed. Again, let me read it again. There is no fear in love. Instead, instead, perfect love drives out fear. Why? Because fear involves punishment. We don't have to have fear because our punishment was removed. We no longer need to have fear because Jesus took our punishment in our place. On the cross, fear was put to death by the Lord Jesus. Friends, what a gracious invitation we have here in Psalm 55 to not only trust our souls to the Lord, but to trust him when fear arises, to, to trust him when life presents us something that's out of our control. Cast your burdens on him and he will sustain you. He will not allow the righteous to be shaken. Let's pray. Father, we are in awe of who you are. You are the God that, that sits high and looks low. You, you are the God that literally has made earth your footstool, and yet you are concerned about our daily affairs. You are concerned about what troubles and concerns us. You are concerned about what brings us fear. Lord, we are so thankful that you have given us this gracious invitation not to pull ourselves together, not to, not to rely on our own ingenuity, not to fix it, not to, to, to scheme and dream our way out of it, but you have given us the invitation to cast our concerns, to, to, to place our fears at your feet. And you promised, because you are a good father, to sustain us. Father, I pray for that person here who is dealing with a situation that they may literally face when they leave here, that, that they are facing a, a life-altering, life-threatening situation. It could be health, it could be relational, it could be financial, it could be a, a, a child 
that has strayed away from the faith. It, it could be a myriad of things. Father, I pray for them. I pray that, that you speak to their hearts by your spirit and you show them that you're there and you care and you love and you will sustain. Lord, I pray for that person here who does not know you in the pardoning of their sins. I pray that you show them that there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.